In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus is the truth in person. He speaks truthfully, and what he says reveals the deep truth of things. These are basic Christian convictions. And because we believe them, because we believe that Jesus is the truth itself, whatever he says carries a claim on our attention and calls for our assent. Even when what he says seems enigmatic or strange, and especially when what he says offends our basic sensibilities. Today's gospel lesson is a prime example of the just that. Jesus says, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. What a strange way of speaking. It is undoubtedly, as his disciples will say, a hard saying. Who can hear it? Eating human flesh and drinking human blood is something that cannibals and monsters do in dark jungles or in the darkest corners of our imagination. And yet, our Lord insists that if we do not do this, if we do not devour his flesh and swallow his blood, we will not live. What on earth can he mean? How can this be true? Ye have no life in you, Jesus says. Let's start with those words. Maybe we can get a foothold there. Because if you think about it, it's not so difficult to see that that is true, especially now in this time of pandemic. The coronavirus has brought with it a forceful reminder of the truth of our Lord's words, that human life is frail and uncertain. We have no life in ourselves. Life is a precious and a fragile thing that is given to us and can be taken away from us. So our Lord's words are just objectively true. They hold true for all creatures. No creature has life in itself. God alone, the creator, has life in himself. Ye have no life in you. Jesus says, your life is given you by God. It comes to you from outside yourself. And as such, it does not belong to you. And it is not stable. Your life is subject to corruption and capable of growth. You need to take in nourishment from outside to sustain your life. If you do not eat, you will waste away. If you do not drink, you will become thirsty. And even if you do eat and drink, you are destined to die in the wilderness of this life. That just is the truth of the human condition. We may seek to evade it or just avoid confronting it, but there is no escaping this truth. You and I are radically dependent creatures. We do not have life in ourselves. But Christ came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. He came to give us a share 
in his own life. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, he says, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Put aside for a bit more that gruesome language of eating flesh and drinking blood, and I think you can see more clearly what he means. Here on the one side you are, you have no life in you. There on the other side is Jesus. He has life in him. He is the source of life. In him was life, St. John says about him at the beginning of his gospel. He is life itself. He comes to give you a share of his own eternal life. And therefore, his flesh is meat indeed, as he says, and his blood is drink indeed. He himself is what really nourishes us, our true food and drink. He gives us lasting nourishment. His life is our sustenance. He offers himself to us that we might live through him. And even now, in the midst of this life, he gives us new and unending life in him, eternal life, that we will have perfectly and completely in the resurrection on the last day, when death is finally destroyed and Christ is all in all. Because I live, he says, ye shall live also. Another way of saying this is that eternal life, that is true life, life that is worthy of the name, is found in union with the Lord Jesus. For as our English forebears put it in the Reformation, Christ is the only mediator between God and man, being both God and man. Therefore, union with Jesus means union with the living God, who is the fountain and the well of life. And in that union, we are changed. Richard Hooker The great 17th century Anglican put it in terms that are common to the tradition of being deified, being made like God. Hooker says that in the incarnation, God has deified our nature, not by turning it into himself, but by making it his own inseparable habitation. The means God gives us for sharing in that grace, the primary means for union with Christ, are the sacraments of the church. In baptism, we are given new life in union with the Lord Jesus. In the Eucharist, his table, the Lord nourishes that life with, as it were, a renewed infusion of his grace, a new taste of his life. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood, Jesus says, dwells in me and I in him. The Eucharist deepens our union with the Lord Jesus. And indeed, that's precisely why we call it Holy Communion. St. Paul writes, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Communion, a sharing in, a participation in, a fellowship in, a being, a sharing having one thing in common with another. To receive Holy Communion is to strengthen your communion with the Lord Jesus. That's the end of the sacrament, to nourish our 
relationship with Christ, our participation, our sharing in his life. The whole point is to be made one with him. To be, as St. Julian of Norwich says in a striking phrase, one with Christ, made one with him. That is what we seek in Holy Communion as we pray that he may evermore dwell in us and we in him. How does the bread and wine of the sacrament feed us with the body and blood of Christ? It's a question that has drawn a lot of attention throughout Christian history. But I think here again, Richard Hooker is very helpful. He argues that we should concern ourselves less with explaining this mystery and more with simply receiving the gift that is offered to us in the sacrament. To simply taking Christ at his word when he said, this is my body, this is my blood, and receiving that gift that he gives us in the sacrament. Hooker said that Christ says of communion, essentially, eat and live, and that our duty is simply to thankfully receive what he offers to us. And as he says, most assuredly, rest persuaded of this, that can we but eat, we are safe. Hooker continues, he says, Let it be sufficient for me, presenting myself at the Lord's table, to know what there I receive from him. That these mysteries do as nails fasten us to his very cross. That by them we partake of the benefits of the wounds of our Redeemer. Our hunger is satisfied. Our thirst is quenched. There are things wonderful which he feels, great which he sees, and unheard of which he utters, whose soul is possessed of this paschal lamb, and made joyful in the strength of this new wine. This bread has in it more than the substance which our eyes behold. This cup hallowed with solemn benediction avails to endless life and welfare, both of soul and body, and that it serves as well for a medicine to heal our infirmities and purge our sins as for a sacrifice of thanksgiving. With touching, it sanctifies. It enlightens with belief. It truly conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. What these elements are in themselves, I cannot say. It is enough that to me, which take them, they are the body and blood of Christ. His promise and witness hereof suffices. His word He knows which way to accomplish. Why should any thought possess the mind of a faithful communicant but this? O my God, thou art true. O my soul, thou art happy. Eat and live. What more is there for us to do? He who eats me, Jesus says, will live by me, will live because of me. It is through feeding on him in our hearts that his life infuses our lives, that our lives are conformed to his life, made transparent to his life, that that the light of his life shines out in us as we are transformed more and more into his image and likeness. And it's important to say that this transformation does not take place individualistically, but corporately with the whole church. 
When St. Paul teaches that the bread and wine of the Eucharist are the body and blood of Christ, he goes on to say that because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Communion with Jesus is also communion with the many and motley members of the body of Christ, which is to say that we will inevitably find ourselves around the Lord's table with those whose company we would not normally wish to keep on our own, but with whom we have been united as intimately as members of one body, because we all partake of this one bread. Which also means, by the way, that there are others who would not choose your company who have been united to you. Think about that for a minute. Real communion, across sometimes radical difference, is an inescapable part of being Christian. And it is an integral part of the difference the church makes in the world, or at least ought to make, especially as our culture becomes increasingly divided, tribalized, fragmented. The church is to be that place where we find our commonality in one bread. In the final analysis, though, it is the difference that Jesus makes, not the church. For he is our peace, who has made us one, as St. Paul says, who has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. Therefore, our life together should show that difference that Jesus makes. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, the scripture says, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. That is the life our lives are meant to reflect. May our lives, your life and mine, and the life of this parish, pulse with the life of Jesus. May we feed on him, draw all our nourishment from him and not from something else, that we might live by him. May we find ourselves caught up in his mission and the universal mission of his body to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, directing all people to him in whom is life, whose flesh is true food and whose blood is true drink, that all might live by him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.